Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. It is a good time of the year to be together with church family. Hopefully you've had some quality time with your, your family, children, parents, loved ones, uh, those who you spend Christmas with, and it's good to be back with the church family. Uh, I always enjoy time with my wife and boys, but I do miss you guys, and so it's good to be here this morning. As we uh, think about wrapping up our journey through 2014, uh, today we'll also be wrapping up our journey through the series, Letters to the Church, and so today will be the last uh, sermon in that series from Philippians 3 is where we'll be, uh, and the title of this morning's sermon is Rejoicing in the Journey, and uh, I think Cam's story earlier was a perfect lead-in to our sermon this morning as we think about what it means to follow in the footsteps of Christ, follow Christ on life's journey, which is what we'll be talking about today. Uh, I can't help but think about um, one of my own journeys, the most, probably the most epic journey I've ever been on, happened in October of 2013. Uh, I boarded a plane with several other members from Solid Rock Church headed to the Philippines. And uh, I grew up camping, grew up here in, just west of here in Parker County, uh, camping so many times. I don't remember individual camping trips. They all just kind of meshed together. I don't remember a time when we weren't camping or planning for a camping trip. Uh, however, in preparation for the Philippines trip, it was something completely different from what I had experienced. Not, we weren't just going to be out for a night or two. We were going to be out for six or seven nights, and everything that we would have would be what we packed in, and, uh, and everything we packed in, we had to pack out. And so I had to learn a totally different style of camping uh, for a totally different journey. And so uh, this morning, as we think about uh, the journey of following Christ, I brought some of the things that I uh, took with me on the journey. The first thing I learned from, from uh, Jeff uh, Sanders, our missions team leader, was that you're going to have to be able to, to pack everything in a 70-liter pack. And, and not only that, you've got to carry it in and you've got to carry it out. And, and, uh, and, and by the way, you can only carry up to 45 pounds. That's all we can check. And so I had to learn a different style of camping. I had no idea that you could travel and camp so light and be comfortable for a week uh, without electricity, without running water, we were pulling our water out of a, out of a river, a waterfall, and filtering it. I had no idea that you could, you could take and, and, and pack a raincoat into such a small package. You just unzip it, and boom, there you go. Raincoat, which you need in the Philippines, by the way. Uh, a couple other things I didn't know. Um, one was that you could sleep so comfortably on a, such a small air mattress. I don't know if any of you are backpackers, but uh, here, here it is, and this is even gets smaller than this, but you could roll this thing out and sleep for a week and be comfortable uh, out in nature, sleeping under the stars, some other things. Uh, so I grew up camping with the big tents, with two rooms, screen-in porch. Right, we basically set up a, a mobile house out in the wilderness. That tent packed up. It, it had to weigh 50, 60 pounds. I had no idea tents could come so small. And you could be comfortable and, and, and dry and warm in such a small package. Uh, some other things, too. Um, sleeping bags. Um, I didn't know that you could take a sleeping bag and like this big and you could stay warm in temperatures as low as 15 degrees. And, and not only this, but you can actually take it, crush this down even smaller. Uh, some other things. How about chairs? I mean, what's camping without a good folding chair, right? I had no idea that you could... Take something like this and fold it out into a chair strong enough to hold up a grown man and be comfortable at that. And so there's my, my chair, some other things. Oh, how about lanterns? You remember the old Coleman lanterns? Weighed about 12 pounds. Yeah, then I found out you could have lanterns 
This small, look at this little guy. Isn't he cute? Just a little lantern. You just hang him up there and take him wherever you want to go. And, and so I learned a lot about what it means to travel light. And as we think about the journey of following Christ, and we think about how difficult it can be at times, we think about the things that Christ said about the journey. I think about Luke 9 where he said to his disciples, if anybody is going to come after me, he must take up his cross, deny himself daily, and come and follow me. I, I hear that invitation and it sounds heavy, right? But then I also think about what Jesus said in Matthew 11 when he said, come to me all who are labored and heavy laden and I will give you Rest, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so while there is something about the journey of following Christ that has difficulty, we know that Christ is leading us on a journey that ultimately we're to be traveling light. Well, as we get into Philippians 3, Paul is going to be talking about the journey of following Christ and, I believe, give us some insight on what it means to follow Christ and travel light, to pack light, to leave the heaviness behind, yet to work forward in the midst of difficulties. So from last time we were in Philippians 3, we saw from Paul where he laid out his resume of all the things he had accomplished in life. And he said, all these things I now consider as loss. Everything that used to be in my win column is now in my loss column because I have met Christ. And for the sake of knowing him, I'll put everything that used to be gained in my life in the loss column if Jesus is in my win column. And so now we're going to finish that section beginning in verse 12 in Philippians 3 as Paul begins to talk about his own journey of following Christ. Starting in verse 12, Paul says this, Not that I have already obtained this. We're going to be talking about the this a lot this morning. He's going to say it in a minute. We're going to be talking about what is the it. He says, Not that I have already attained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Some really beautiful words here in the original language. Uh, describing Paul's journey. The first one is the word that we have translated into perfect. Some of your translations may have the word complete or mature. All of those definitions are implied here. And so as Paul is talking about his own journey, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect or have made complete. So, so there's something incomplete about Paul and his journey. Now, um, for most of us, I think, Um, If you are in Christ, there is something that Paul is describing here that we're all going to be able to relate to. This idea of not being yet made perfect. As we follow Christ in his footsteps, at times our own humanity, our own flesh will catch up with us. Right? And so we'll be tempted to return back to a former pattern of thinking or a former pattern of behavior or maybe this consistent struggle with a sin or with some fear or some, 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 some sense of doubt will catch up with us. And, and I think everybody who follows Christ is familiar with those moments, those crossroads in the journey where our own humanity confronts us and we're reminded that we're not yet perfect. We're not yet made complete. We're not yet, as he'll say later, m- completely mature in Christ. Now, there are different ways we all handle those moments. Some of us will uh, respond 
with doubt, well, well maybe, I'm, maybe, I did, maybe I'm not a Christian. If I'm still struggling with this, if I'm still seeing evidence of the old me, maybe I didn't genuinely give my life to Jesus when I was six. Maybe I didn't know enough and mean it enough. Or when I was 14, or when I was 20, or even last year. And so we'll respond to our own humanity, our own realization that we haven't been made complete with doubt. Others, like Paul here, I believe, with frustration, we get frustrated with ourselves. Come on! You should be better at this by now. Right? How many times do you have to learn this lesson? How many times do you have to come back to the same place in the journey and make the same mistakes? And we'll get frustrated with ourselves. Better yet, I think another way we respond is we get frustrated angry with God. Come on, God. I've pleaded with you not just three times, three dozen times. Take this from me. Take away this, this sense of shame or regret or, or struggle with sin or struggle with doubt or struggle with identity. My, right? God, I've asked you to take this away. I've asked you to heal this. I've asked you to fix this over and over again. And I'm, I'm frustrated and So we respond with anger or frustrations towards God. What Paul is saying here is, in a way, I can relate to that. I'm chasing after a goal that I haven't attained either. I haven't been made perfect or complete, but, this is an important but here, but that doesn't mean I quit. That doesn't mean I I throw out everything. Here's what I do, but I Press on to make it my own. Now, this idea of pressing on is is really more of a military term. The word uh, can translate to press on or to pursue, but it can also be translated to persecute. It's an idea of moving forward amidst difficulty, life-challenging difficulty. Um, So when we translate that word, the idea is Paul says, I press on. He's saying, I'm pursuing and pressing on in the midst of Difficulty. This is one of the things I've learned about traveling light, especially on journeys out into nature, is that you can actually take paths that were more difficult because you're traveling light. And so the idea that Jesus has called us to a journey with a light burden and a, and a, and a light yoke doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be an easy journey, right? It just means, hey, it, it, travel light as you follow after me. And Paul says there's going to be difficulty going to feel oftentimes like you're in a military battle as you press on, as you press on to make it your own. This idea of making it your own or taking hold is the idea of of conquering something. So pursuing in the midst of battle to complete something, to conquer something, to take hold of, to seize something. That's the this, that's the it that we're after here. What's the goal that we're after on the journey? Now, I was thinking about how to to illustrate the Christian journey, and I had an experience when I was 15, almost 16. So I I grew up playing soccer, and I was a a, a proficient, accomplished soccer player from the age of 5 to 10, okay? And so I played every season available from age 5 to 10. When I got to be into the sixth grade, I realized there were other sports like football and Tennis and basketball and track. I wanted to try out some other sports, so I left my soccer career to do other things. Well, um, all those sort of things just kind of fizzled out, and, and I found myself in my sophomore year, after trying different sports, really kind of bored, and I wanted to return back to soccer. Well, I had been out of the sport for a good 
you know, three or four years. And so my, all my skill level had really left off to where I was when I was 10, yet I was in a 15-year-old body. And, uh, and to make matters worse, the way my birthday fell in the soccer season, I couldn't play on the under-16 team. The only team available for me to try out for was the under-18 select team at 15 years old with 10-year-old soccer skills. And, uh, and so I, I decided I want to go after it. I'm going to try this. And so I went and I tried out. Uh, very vivid memory in my mind. I was very intimidated. Much older young men who had been playing together for years. Talent levels were way above mine. Were in shape. And, uh, and so yet I went and tried out. I was a nervous wreck. Just knew I wasn't going to make it. Right? There's no way I was going to compete with these guys. Well, lo and behold, I get the invitation from the coach to join the team. And I thought, well, maybe I was better than I thought I was. Let's, let's give this thing a shot. Maybe I was just too hard on myself. And so I came to practice. I got my jersey. I was part of the team. And uh, in practice, I struggled. And I really got frustrated. The coach could see it. It was the end of the first practice. Uh, he could see my frustration with myself and how I was trying so hard to compete with these guys. And they were schooling me uh, to the point where I was ready to cry. And he pulled me aside and said, Jason, um, let me tell you why I picked you to be on the team. And I'm, I'm thinking, thank you, finally. So you do see this. It's not just me. And so he said, here's why I picked you to be on the team. It's not because of your skills. You obviously are a little out of shape and haven't been playing in a while. I picked you because of your height. I picked you because I need you to use your head. Literally, I need to see you use your head this season. That's why I picked you. It's all I expect out of you. You work hard and use your head, meaning jump up and hit the ball with your head around all these short people. And I thought, well, wow, pressure's off, right? Pressure's off. I can do that. I can hit things in my head. No telling where it's going to go. But you know, in that experience, you see, I, I didn't think I deserved to be on the team, and I really didn't. And then once I was on the team, it was obvious to me and to others, I didn't deserve to be on the team. Yet, I was on the team. I had the jersey. There was no undoing it, what had been done, right? I was on the team for better, for worse. This is what justification means in a simple sense to us who are in Christ. He has extended the invitation to you to come be on his team. And he hasn't asked you to join because of your skill level. Because you really have anything to offer. He's just said, come be on my team. I have a jersey for you. And I expect you to struggle. I expect you to be outmatched. There's going to be a process of learning, growing, training, failing, enduring, getting back up, playing harder, growing and maturing in Christ. This is what Paul is getting at here. I'm not already there. I'm not the ace player on the team. But here's what I am doing. I'm not giving up. I'm pressing on to take hold of that which has taken hold of me. To make my own him who has made me his own and chosen me to be on his team. He's given me the jersey, plenty of evidence around my life. I don't deserve to be on this team. Yet, he called anyway. He called and he invited me to follow him. So Paul's going to repeat himself in verse 13, illustrating what's probably going on in his heart and kind of getting across the primary angst of what he's feeling. In verse 13, he says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. I'm not there yet. But one thing I do. Now, this is interesting because now you would expect Paul to say one thing, right? However, he says two things that come together as one thing. Here's what he says. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining towards what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call or invitation of God in Christ Jesus. God has called me 
to be on his team. He's called me to be a member of his own household. I'm not there yet, but I'm pressing on. And let me tell you, let me give you some insight to the Christian journey, what it means to follow after Christ. So here's what he says. Here's the one thing. Forget what is behind. There's one thing. But then what? Straining towards what is in front. This beautiful dynamic relationship between forgetting and straining. And we see this all over the journey to follow Christ. It's the idea of repentance. So repentance in most of our minds is simply stop doing something bad, right? We hear that word repent, and what we hear is our dad saying stop. But that's not actually what God means when he says repent. He says turn. Turn away from what is small, what is not valuable, what will hurt you and kill you, and turn to something that is valuable, that is infinitely large, and that will bring you into peace and joy and true life. Jesus said, what? I, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come, what? To give you life and life abundantly. And so this idea of repentance is not just one thing. It's a both and. It's turning from, but more importantly, turning to something that's better. And so as Paul lays out the one thing that propels us forward in our journey, it's the same idea. It's forgetting what lies behind, but you can't just forget. That's not enough. You must forget what lies behind and do what? And turn and strain towards what lies ahead. Now this idea of forgetting is really um, a powerful idea. It reminds me of the idea of traveling light. You see, what Paul is getting at here when he calls us to forget is not reckless living, just do whatever you want and leave brokenness and pain in the wake of your selfish choices. Just forget it. Just do whatever you want and just forget. What he's calling us to is to believe the gospel. That when we truly trust Christ to forgive our sins, he actually does. And when we truly trust Christ to remove the burden and the weight and the shame and the punishment of our sins, he does it. Therefore, forget. Move forward as though it didn't happen. And so this idea of forgetting what lies behind is truly agreeing with the gospel. Traveling light means letting go of past mistakes. This is a big one for us, isn't it? This is one of the things that continues to come up. The crossroads we continue to walk across. We, we run into a familiar face from our past. Or we run into a familiar habit from the way we used to respond. Or a sin that used to entangle us sneaks its way back into our daily routine. And the gospel calls us to forget what lies behind. To let go of, to throw off those useless weights. Paul calls us to forget because in Christ we have a place to bring our sin, to bring our shame, and to bring our regret. As you take up your cross daily and deny yourself and follow Jesus, there's no room in the pack for regret or shame. Traveling light as we follow Christ also means this, letting go of your burdens. Letting go of your burdens. I was thinking about this, especially for some of you ladies, as I just watch men and women follow Jesus. Um, by and large, ladies, you typically have more of a struggle with anxiety than men do. doesn't mean that some men don't struggle on certain levels, but by and large. And so what I've just began to notice, and I think is an observation, is this. What God has created to be good in the woman, to be truly be a compassionate, caring person, 
because of the fall has been skewed into anxiety. Because God hardwired you ladies to care deeply about every detail of every person's life, their health, their well-being, their happiness, their joy. You're the ones at Christmas want to make sure everybody is happy and has a good time. And they, right? The men, we couldn't care less. You, you ladies are the ones making sure the house is in perfect condition. What are you talking about? It looks clean to me. And so what God created in you is pure and beautiful to have compassion and to care about every detail through the fall has been twisted and has now been manifested, I believe, in forms of anxiety and carrying a burden you weren't designed by God to carry. You see, taking up your cross and following after Jesus does not mean that you're to carry the burden. Remember what he said? My yoke is easy and my burden is light. I've got a pack for you to carry. But there's no room in that pack for the burdens of this world. Your shoulders aren't broad enough to carry these burdens. I'll carry them for you. So as we follow Christ, traveling light means we have a place to bring our burdens and lay them down. Many of you, through the Christmas season, were reminded of some burdens you have for family members. Family members that are struggling, family members that are lost, family members that are living without hope, family members that are even still pursuing darkness. Either their presence or their absence this Christmas season reminded you, right? So in Christ, we have a place to bring our burdens. Forgetting what lies behind means we don't take on any unnecessary baggage, including burdens. Jesus says, bring those burdens to me. I'll carry the burdens. There's no room in your pack. There's no room in your life to carry these burdens. I think a third thing that's implied here by forgetting is this. Traveling light means leaving behind useless things. Remember where this chapter started? Paul said, let me tell you about all the things that used to be useful to me. My position in our culture and society, my position in my career trajectory, my zeal, my hard working, my work ethic, my ability to work hard. All these things that used to matter to me, they don't matter anymore. There's no room in my life for useless things things. For some of you, it could be possessions. I don't want to presume that. It could be different pursuits, useless things, useless goals. Matter of fact, that's where we're going to end today is talking about what's a noble goal for 2015? Many of you already have your resolutions picked out for the year, right? What would be a a good goal, a noble goal for 2015? And Paul reminds us to, to shed useless things. Things that don't matter anymore. I know some of you have shared with me that you feel like God's calling you to make some changes in 2015, a significant career path or a significant change in some way, and it's going to cost you something, right? It's going to, it potentially might mean less income or uh, more struggle or in some way cost you something. And so Jesus may very well be refining your life to say, listen, let me work on you to shed some useless things. See, I've got a pack for you to carry, and there's, there's not room for all that stuff in there. I think it's quite ironic as we celebrate the greatest gift of all at Christmas, the, the gift of salvation we have in Jesus, this free gift. Um, it's the one time of year that we go into the most debt. And so we start off in 2015 carrying things that God didn't design us to carry. And I believe God's given us permission, parents, <laughs> to shed useless things. How many of us went out and spent way too much money on something for someone that will quickly become useless to them in just a few weeks, if that long? 
forgetting what lies behind and straining towards what lies ahead. Traveling light on the journey does not mean traveling easy. Um, I've really enjoyed getting into hiking and backpacking, and so I've got a, a, a it's fairly new tradition. Every spring now, I plan on taking a significant hike, and I have one planned this year. Um, it's a 21-mile hike in two days, uh, ending with a 10-mile river trip in a canoe. And so, like, it's, I, I expect to be fairly intense, yeah, and, and on purpose, right? Like, willingly going to go do this. Um, yet I found that, and if I'm ever going to accomplish this, I have to travel light. And so as we think of the invitation of Jesus to take up our cross and follow after him, we know that that's going to include difficult journeys, uphill struggles, right? And so this, this, this idea of forgetting what lies behind is a sense of traveling light in order to follow hard after Christ. And so Paul uses the word here, straining towards what lies ahead. It's this idea of leaning forward into something. Think about taking 45 pounds up a hill. Like you, you've got to be prepared for that. You have to lean into that. Many of you have a journey set before you in 2015. It's going to be difficult, and, and you're going to need to strain and lean into it. Straining forward, first and foremost, means this, being compelled by the gospel. We don't work hard for God to earn his love and favor. We don't work hard for God so that he'll ask us to be on the team, just like soccer tryouts. We strain, though, to follow Christ. We work hard for God. Why? Because we've been compelled by the love we already have. That's why Paul says that. I haven't taken hold of it, but it has definitely taken hold of me. I haven't quite attained the goal I'm after, but let me tell you this, he has attained me. Straining towards what lies ahead. Think about what it means to follow Jesus. There's two things that come to mind, and this might be helpful for some of you. As you strike out this year to follow after Jesus, what he has specifically for you and your family. Two things that need to be on your radar. One is, what is God's revealed will in the Bible? It's important to start there. Okay? Before we go after God's specific will for your career or your whatever it might be that you're after in life, starting with his revealed will through the Bible, this we know to be true. God says, here, start here. I've already spoken some things for you. Some of you have already probably made a commitment to read through the Bible uh, this next year. Um, some of you maybe are taking the three-year path. Either, either way is fine, or just a renewed commitment to spend time with God in his word. This is a beautiful place to turn on that radar. Daily, in 2015, God, speak to me from your, from your word. Reveal to me your will for my life through your word. Now, if we do that, we do that consistently, then there's a second radar we can turn on, and that is God's specific revealed will for your life through the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit living in you speaks to you and prompts you and directs you and guides you, never separate from his revealed will in the word of God. And so it's not enough just to read your Bible every day this year. You also need to be in relationship with the Holy God who's placed his spirit into you to nudge you and speak to you and whisper to you and convict you and to guide you on this path, on this journey that you're on to show you where the footsteps of Christ are so you can hop into them. That's what it means to strain forward. I like the way that Paul says it here. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It's quite a journey that lies ahead. It's, mo it's mostly an uphill journey, if you will, as I follow after Christ. 
But it's a journey that began with a call, with an invitation from Jesus to come and follow him. In verse 15, what Paul is going to do is really he's going to highlight um, what it looks like to not be on the journey, to be following after anything or anyone else but Jesus. So in verse 15, he says this, Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if any of you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. So he's going to talk about those who think differently, who aren't forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. He takes a minute, just a few verses, to describe what it looks like to not follow Jesus this year. He says in verse 16, Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Verse 17, Brothers, join in imitating me. That's that idea that Cam was talking about in the welcome. As Cam followed after his dad and imitated his dad, his dad was following the leader. Parents, as Cam mentioned earlier, that's your journey as you follow Christ and your kids follow after you. This idea of imitating. Paul says, tell you what, imitate me. Look at my life as an example of both what to do and what not to do. Right? Follow Christ through my example. Imitate me. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Verse 18. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears. I appreciate that about Paul. As he thinks about those who are not following Christ, he doesn't do so with arrogance. He doesn't do so with a sense of self-righteousness. He thinks about those who are not following Christ. He thinks about them with tears. It breaks his heart to think about those who are walking in darkness, who are on a path of lostness, who are walking amidst hopelessness. And so he thinks about them even with tears as they walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is their destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with their minds set on earthly things. They're traveling way too heavy through this life, carrying things that God didn't intend for them to carry. How do we know when we're pursuing immaturity, veering off the path of following Christ? Here's a good list right here. Those whose God is their own appetite, who follow their own stomachs. That's what guides them through life. So don't, don't mistake a, a gut feeling for the Holy Spirit of God working in you, right? I think Paul's saying, don't trust your gut feeling. Your own stomachs will oftentimes lead you astray, right? Follow your own appetite, pursue your own glory, and set your mind on earthly things if you want your goal for 2015 to be immaturity. Or, as he said, to be an enemy of the cross. This is what it looks like to be the opposite of following Jesus, your own flesh guides you. Your own glory is what propels you or compels you forward. And your mind is set on earthly things. And here's the struggle with earthly things. Try to stuff them into your pack, and then you don't have room for the other things. So you take some stuff out, and you put other things in. And then you realize, I don't have room for it, and then you pull out. And so it's just life is just this game of trying to grab things and find joy in things and find things to fulfill you and things that are going to make you happy. And then you get a few miles down the journey and realize these don't make me happy anymore. So you pull them out and you put other things in. And, and Paul said, that's the evidence of somebody who's not following Jesus. They're latching on to things of this earth. Their eyes are fixed on earthly things. I love verses 20 and 21 as he tells us what the it is, what the this is. This is what we're after in Christ. Verse 20 says, but our Citizenship is in heaven, 
It means two things to me. As I talked about with soccer, that means we already have the jersey. Our citizenship. Our citizenship. We're not just in some way familiar with who God is. We're citizens of God's kingdom. It's fixed. We've been invited onto the team while we don't deserve to be on the team. We're citizens of God's kingdom. Not only that, it means this. Then as I, as I walk anywhere else but in God's kingdom, I'm a foreigner. Now this should explain for us, for you, why life is such a struggle at times. Why you read the news and you realize, oh my gosh, the world isn't getting better. It looks like it's getting worse. Paul reminds us our citizenship isn't here. Your journey here on earth, step by step, as God's word leads you, as his Holy Spirit leads you, is a journey as a foreigner. This is a foreign land. Matter of fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, as Paul, or not necessarily Paul, the author of Hebrews, talks about um, what it looks like to journey here on earth for these men and women of the Old Testament. He lays them out as examples these beautiful examples of faith and following hard after God. He puts Abraham out there as an example. Remember Abraham? God came to him and said, Abraham, I want you to go on a journey. I want you to follow after me. What did he say to Abraham? I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to bless all the nations. I'm going to curse those who curse you. Come follow me to the land that I'm going to show you. Whoa, I'm out on that trip. I need to see a map. I need some landmarks. I need to know where we're going. I need to know when I get to the end, which is not necessarily how God leads, is it? And so in Hebrews 11, the author of Hebrews lays out Abraham as an example of what it means to be a foreigner here on earth, following God's plan for your life. And here's just a few verses from Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 9 says, By faith, he, being Abraham, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. I mean, this man followed God. He lived in tents. How is he content living in tents? Because what? Abraham knew, I'm just a foreigner here. God said to follow him to the land he's going to show me. This isn't my home. Really? You're going to set your family up in tents? Your children and your grandchildren? And Yeah. Because I'm a foreigner here. Verse 10 says this. He, being Abraham, was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. So every time Abraham and his family came into a city or into a village and they looked around and said, no, these foundations were set up by man. We're not home yet. This is temporary. Jumping down to verse 13, thinking about all these men and women who lived this way. We read these words. These all died in faith. Every one of them died in faith. Not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having knowledge that they were strangers and exiles on earth. So how did Abraham do it? How did Sarah do it? Ladies, can you imagine? Your husband comes home and says, God has told us to follow him on a journey. Well, I'm kind of freaked out. Where are we going? What's the climate? How do I need to know how to pack, right? What clothes do I need to bring? And your husband says to you, I don't know. We're going to need to travel light, right? Let's don't take unnecessary things, including unnecessary burdens. We're going to trust God on this journey. How did they do it? Because they were looking way off into the distance. That was the it. That was the goal that they were after. A city whose foundations weren't built by man. And so here on earth, they were strangers and exiles. Verse 14, this this kind of brings us into the story. For people who speak thus or this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. 
Is that true of your life? Are you seeking a homeland? Are you discontent with the things here on earth to the point where your life looks like that? I'm pursuing what really matters. I'm chasing after a goal that's way out there. I'm not fixing my eyes on the small things of today. Verse 16 of Hebrews 11 says this, but as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. This is what we're after in Christ. Not a better neighborhood to live in while I'm here on earth, right? A better car, a better whatever it is. That's, those are small goals. Christ is calling us to follow him after a goal that we actually won't attain here on earth. It's the goal of being with him. In Hebrews 12, the next chapter after Hebrews 11, it begins with these words. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, people who knew they were foreigners here on earth, let us also lay aside every weight. You hear that invitation to unpack your life of all this useless junk? Lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, or some translations say, so easily entangles you. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. How do we do that? Looking to Jesus, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. And then, and then he's used as an example. How did he walk a journey here on earth following the Father's will? Here's how he did it. This is the end of verse 2. Who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. You see, when Jesus looked at the cross, the cross wasn't the end of the journey. It was just one obstacle to cross as he pursued the ultimate goal, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That's the goal Jesus was after. I want to be with my father. I want to be back at the right hand of the father. That's the goal. That's the far off goal I'm after. This journey is going to be difficult. Matter of fact, Jesus was described as one who didn't have a home. Foxes have holes. Birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus came as the Son of God walking through earth with a light pack. Why? So this is not our home. There's a lot of excitement in following God through this life, a lot of challenges, a lot of difficulties, but don't set up shop here. Keep it light as you travel through this earth, falling hard after God, having your eyes fixed on the true goal. Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the goal that Paul was after. I want him. I don't just want the stuff he can give me. I want him. Verse 21, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. You want to know when perfection happens? Right there. When you step from this temporary earth into your eternal dwelling and the final transformation happens, we'll transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enabled him even to subject all things to himself. Our final transformation, our final destination to finally attain the perfect and permanent presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. At that moment, when we taste that victory, the journey will be complete. There'll be nothing else lacking in your life. Nothing else to pursue. 
you will have reached the end of the journey. You'll take off your pack because you won't need it anymore. Faith, you won't even need faith anymore when you step into eternity. Hope, you won't even need hope anymore to get you through the darkness. Why? Darkness is done. You'll take off that pack and step into eternity in the presence of your Father. Go read Revelation 4 and 5, two of my favorite chapters of the Bible, describing stepping out of this earth and just the excitement and the joy that will be had at the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm just wondering now, as you think back over 2014, what was your journey like? Were there some heavy spots? As you think back of the struggles maybe that you walked through in 2014, were there some things that, that you attempted to carry that you weren't meant to carry? Maybe struggles with the flesh, struggle with sin. The old you kept trying to render its ugly little head. Maybe some of you tried to carry burdens for people you love that you weren't meant to carry. And what God put in you that was good, that is good in terms of compassion and love for others, for you became a burden. A burden so heavy you couldn't carry it and it began to weigh you down and pull you back. Maybe for others, it was the attainment of things. Your eyes were fixed on things in 2014 and, and, and you, you latched onto one thing to be disappointed and to look for something else. And, and I think from Paul's encouragement today, our goal today is to what? To forget what lies behind, right? There's no reason for 2014 to weigh us down as we step into 2015. I just want to put out for you what I feel like is a decent goal. If you're thinking about resolutions or goals for the year, I think what Paul is saying, our ultimate goal for 2015 should be to grow in our maturity in Christ. No bells, no whistles, that's, that's enough. To continue the process of laying aside, forgetting, dropping burdens, dropping shame, things that weigh us down, the sin that so easily entangles us, tightening up, right? Leaning in, straining forward, following hard after Christ with your eyes fixed on a goal that really matters. So no matter what your resolutions are, right, they should just be means to that end. Maybe your resolution is, I want to I wanna have a quiet time every day in 2015. If that's your end goal, I think we missed, we missed it today. That's a great goal to have, but that's a means to a better end, right? To know Christ more deeply. That's the goal. And so whatever your resolutions are, your goals for 2015, I want to encourage you to, to consider this one, to make your ultimate goal to mature and grow in Christ, to, to, to practice the, the art and process of letting go, forgetting, taking on the yoke that is easy and the burden that is light, and following in the footsteps of the Lord Jesus Christ. For you... And for your families, to grow in our faith, to grow in our knowledge, to grow in our trust, to grow in our obedience. To become better at forgetting and straining forward. I want to end today by praying for you. And I want to assume that in some way, God's Spirit is speaking to you. If you're here today and you're a Christian, I believe that in some ways God is challenging you to consider your own journey. And maybe somewhere in the forgetting and straining, you found some things that you need to, to work on. And I'm going to pray for you that today would be a day of letting go of some of those things, um, getting back on track, focused on what matters in life. Um, for those of you here today who aren't Christians, and we hear this word call or invitation, you're thinking, what is it? 
What does it sound like to hear an invitation from God? I want you to know you've heard it today. God's speaking through his word, and there's a good chance his Holy Spirit is even prompting you now as the God of the universe invites you to become a citizen of his kingdom by faith. That by faith and trusting in Jesus, all your sins are forgiven. And the weight of the shame and the guilt that you carry through this earth is released. And Jesus is inviting you to the cross today to lay down those burdens, to lay down those weights, to take on a yoke that is easy and a burden that is light. So today the invitation is there. Anybody who wants to come after Jesus needs to meet him at the cross. And I'm going to pray for you today that you would make that decision. We'll have prayer partners um, down at the front and at the back, and they'll be wearing these lanyards that let you know who they are. Um, Listen, they're here for you. You don't even have to have the right words or the right questions. Just come say, would you pray for me? Just let them know, here's what I'm struggling. Here's what I'm thinking. Just let them in on what's going on. They want to pray over you this morning and maybe even give you some more counsel and instruction on what it means to follow Jesus. So I'm going to pray over us now that we would respond as God prepares our hearts to wrap up 2014 and get ready to follow him on 2015. Let's pray together.